Hi, you're listening to the Survival Brothers Podcast. We're two brothers trying to help each other prepare for an uncertain future. Thanks for joining us. Welcome to the Survival Brothers Podcast. My name is Ethan, and this is episode 35, and with me as as always is my brother Blair. How you doing, Blair? I'm awesome, bro. How are you? I'm doing really good. Uh, Besides the nasty sunburn on my back and even a little bit on my stomach, I got uh, burned pretty bad this weekend. Where'd you go to get sunburned? I went up to Lake Michigan. So never been up there before and uh, had the opportunity and uh, it's kind of cool area. It's like an ocean, but it's not salty. Did you go swimming or did you just kind of hang out at the beach? Yeah, we kind of went into the water a little bit, not too far, obviously. Had some boogie boards. I don't know if we know how to use boogie boards, but we're just kind of floating and paddling out and riding over waves and stuff. Uh, it's pretty, it was pretty fun. That's cool. Last time I went swimming, um, it was a Lake Powell and, um, we had my dog with us and she hates water, but she, oh, really? also, she also likes to be around us and she likes to, to be near us. So if I call her to me, she'll come out in the water, but you can tell she hates every second <laughs> of it. Oh man, that's interesting. I didn't, I thought most dogs liked water. Do you think they're, uh, she's just normal, uh, abnormal? Maybe. I mean, she's a Australian cattle dog and she's got, I don't know, maybe it has something to do with her coat or I don't know. She just doesn't like the water. Does she swim pretty well? Yeah. Yeah. She can swim fine. Cool. Yeah. Well, it was fun. It was, uh, yeah, it's, it's a huge, Lake Michigan's obviously huge, but it's, once you get there, it's almost like looking at the ocean. It's, uh, I've been to the Pacific Ocean plenty of times, but um, yeah, it's pretty similar, actually. You can't like see the other side or anything? No, yeah, you definitely can't see across. I uh, can't see. I mean, the beach goes on for miles in each direction and um, pretty much as far as you can see. So pretty cool. Nice. But yeah, I just uh, I put some sunscreen on, but not real evenly and not real. Uh, I just for some reason, I, I didn't think about it. So not a very good prepper on that. Uh, side of it fail prepper fail yeah um but today we're going to talk about uh, kind of a cross-country bug out so we were kind of talking and um you know in some situations i might want to go take my family back to utah idaho area where a lot of our support system might be Um, all of my family is pretty much you know between idaho and utah and uh, most of my wife's family is also Idaho, Utah. So um, we were kind of thinking what situations it would take to get us to leave the state. And it would probably have to be pretty bad. Um, But then if we had to leave the state, what we would need in order to do so. And, you know, if there weren't resources available, what would be the best way to go about it? So uh, you have any thoughts off the top of your, or first things there? Um. I could definitely see some scenarios where you would want to get out of Dodge. Um, I think we've all kind of uh, said in the past that bugging in is usually the best option for a lot of stuff, but um, there are times when you want to bug out as well. Yeah. If there's, you know, if there's an economic collapse to the point where I didn't think my job would continue to be, uh, would make sense to continue to do, uh, that would obviously be a reason to, want to leave um you know if there's no future for that if there's some kind of major war especially on uh, our soil 
that would be something that would make me want to leave this area and have some support. Um, but yeah, you know, probably a few other things might get me to that situation, but yeah, it all just depends. There could be food shortages or, you know, all kinds of, all kinds of things. Yeah. I noticed there's been a lot of violence in the Indianapolis area. There was a lady they got shot like down by the canal or something. She, um, some protesters were walking by and they said black lives matter. And this is all alleged, but she said like all lives matter. And then they got into a, a dispute and she got shot. Yeah, it's terrible. I think every big city is having issues of some kind and uh, Indianapolis is just as bad or worse than some of them. So uh, hopefully it eventually dies down. I mean, it's died down a little bit since the peak, but Trump gets reelected. Uh, probably is going to come back up again, pretty strong. Yeah, I could I could see pretty widespread uh, social unrest just getting worse as the economy gets worse. Yeah, and I'm not uh, um, I'm not too close to the downtown city, so I don't think there's really been any rumors of any issues uh, where I am. So I'm probably. 20 to 30 minutes away from downtown. So um, I've got at least some, some cushion. Oh, good. Uh, but obviously if, if I decided that we were going to leave, obviously I'd be taking my family. So I've got my wife and three kids, no dogs, no cats at the moment. So um, I would have to figure out a way to get back that way. So obviously driving would be preferred. Um, and obviously the, the first choice would be to be ahead of a disaster, to be kind of being, being able to anticipate it would be the best way to prep for this. If we were leaving our house, um, because if there's chances that, you know, gas stations aren't working, if there's some kind of, um, gas shortage, or if people weren't around to man the gas stations or truck trucks weren't delivering gas, um, driving, the full way would not be an option. Yeah. You'd want to leave even like a month early would be better than a day late. Yeah, for sure. So if there's something where we highly anticipated something bad was going to happen or it was going to continue to get worse, uh, you know, I think the first way to prep for that is to be prepared and be um, just try to anticipate if something like that were to happen, obviously you're never going to anticipate everything um, or the worst case scenarios in some cases, but uh, that would be ideal if you can get ahead of it. But if we can't get ahead of it, so driving would still be first priority, but I kind of did some math or kind of did some research, I guess, on what it would take if, you know, worst case scenario, if gas was not being delivered to gas stations uh, in order to ensure I could make it there driving, it'd be, uh, first of all, it's about 1,600 miles to where I'd want to get to. Um, we have a minivan because we have three kids. And uh, so I we est- I kind of estimated 60 to 80 gallons, probably closer to 80 gallons, especially with a full load. You know, we'd p- be trying to pack up as much as we can, obviously, into the, the van as well as containers of gas. Uh, but that's kind of, you know, that's like 16 or so five gallon bucket or five gallon containers of gas. So your minivan probably wouldn't even be able to handle the weight of all that fuel. Yeah. And it, 
let's see, what is it? Eight eight pounds per gallon, or is gas a little heavier than water? I I would assume it's roughly the same. Yeah, so I think the minivan probably could take it, especially for one trip. Um, but it would not be easy, and storing sixteen five gallon containers of gas is not super feasible. Uh, definitely possible, but you know, take up quite a bit of room in our, my garage and then having to rotate it might, is kind of a pain. Um, so that's something I would have to decide if I need to make that prep now, basically. And I'm not sure that that's a feasible option at the moment. Yeah. And I wouldn't want to store gas inside a garage anyway, just because it, it's so volatile. Um, if some kind of fire were to happen, it could explode and, that's no bueno. So you, you definitely don't want to store gas, you know, near yeah. the house. Yeah, that's true. I don't have a shed or anything like that. So, um, yeah, storing the gas at this point doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. I think having a few gas cans and then, um, obviously keeping our van at half a tank at least, uh, will give us a head start. Maybe if that's what we want to try to do. Um, and then you kind of brought up the possibility of bartering with other people or with like a farmer, you know, someone who might have some gas reserves along the way. Yeah. Um, some people might even have, you know, gas in their tanks that they're, they're not planning on using. Uh, you could siphon out or something. Yeah. So if we can, you know, one option that might be worth taking risk is to bring things that are valuable, you know, gold and silver coins, ammo, um, things that just, we might be able to approach somebody in a town and say, Hey, can we siphon your gas for, you know, this, these goods? Yeah. Yeah. That, that might work. So that's something we'd have to assess that risk at that time, depending on how everything's going. Um, but, uh, yeah, if we're driving, it'd be fairly easy to, you know, it would take, about a day if we just drove straight through, you know, switched off drivers between my wife and I, we could easily hold enough food and water for a day. Um, and pretty much everything that we would need to survive to get there. And most of the personal belongings that we would prefer to take, you know, driving would obviously be the preferable, preferable option. Uh, if driving for some reason was not available, uh, I think a second choice would be to bike what do you think about that? Bicycling, it would it would take a while, but it would be a lot faster than walking. And you would have the option to um, tow a trailer behind your bike to carry the kids and, and food and stuff. Yeah. So again, 1,600 miles biking. I kind of, so I did Google Maps and I just kind of looked at the bike in that range. And it said about six days. I'm sure it would be, I don't know if that, I think that, is counting straight through. If you just bike straight, it would, that's how long it would take. So with our family, it would probably take double that. Um, at least probably right around 12 days is what I figure. I think it'd probably take a lot longer than that. I would, I would, especially like at the beginning, you're not going to be used to biking. You're going to get like chafed. You're going to get saddle, you know, sores. I wouldn't plan on being able to go more than like 50 miles a day, at least at first. Okay. Um, so for 1,600 miles, 50 miles a day would take you about a month. Yeah. Um, of course, you might be able to, to travel further 
as you kind of get used to bicycling more. Yeah. I'd, well, and we'd be, so I looked up some trailers, we'd be towing some trailers behind us. Um, you're probably right. I, I think we could do it in less than a month based on these rough calculations and my ego. Uh, but you're right. Probably more than 12 days. I, I think it would probably take, I still, I don't know. I'm thinking maybe 20 days. Um, the more I think about it, I, I don't know. I still think it'd be less than a month, but yeah. yeah I mean, you, I think as your body gets conditioned to the cycling, you'd, you'd be able to ride further each day. Yeah. And you know, we could do some things about chafing if I could bring, you know, powder or, you know, something to keep dry. Um, obviously I'd have to, I'd have to be, uh, particular about it, but, um, so let's say 20 days, let's just go off of that for kind of what I would need to bring. What would be, if this is something that's even feasible to do. Uh, so some of the trailers I was looking at can hold, um, over, you know, hundred pounds plus. So the kids would probably be in the trailer. That's 60 to 70 pounds between, uh, the kids. And then my wife and I could probably both have a trailer. So we could probably carry about 200 pounds uh, between us total. So, well, I guess 130 to 140 pounds of supplies outside of our kids. Uh, Let's see. So if we're going 20 days, we would probably need 60 to 80 gallons of water. Um, yeah, but not all at once. I mean, you could you could stop at rivers and, and stuff, and if, uh, if you brought a filter. Yeah. Bringing a filter for sure. Um, I know once you get – I know there's plenty of fresh water kind of in this area and probably a lot of the Midwest. I know once you pass certain – it seems like uh, – obviously, I'd have to do more research in general, but I know Idaho, Nevada, Utah, it's all pretty dry. Uh, I wonder how hard it would be or how easy it would be to find water on the trip. Um, but yeah, it's well, and we could probably do less than, cause you know, when you're preparing water, a gallon per person per day is kind of the standard, but for 20 days we could do probably a lot less than that. If we had to, obviously we try to ration, but obviously we're also working and sweating all day. Um, yeah, depending on the temperature, what time uh, during the day you're riding, you might drink a lot more water. It'd probably be a good idea to ride, like get up early, early, like before the crack of dawn at like you know three a.m. and start. Yeah, riding basically in the middle of the night. Yeah, for sure. Probably wouldn't want to be riding in the the middle of the afternoon. Um, you know, the hottest part. But also, if um, this all changes completely too, if this is the middle of winter when it happens. Um, and biking, I mean, it might not be really an option at that point if it's January, February. Yeah. Especially if you get caught in a storm or something that, that could go really bad for you. I I wouldn't leave in the middle of January. Yeah. So, um, if that were, I mean, if we absolutely had to and driving, well, and here's the other thing too, is regardless of whether we you know, if gas stations weren't going to work and we, we'd still be able to drive the first 
several hours uh, based on what we have um, in our tank at the time. I guess unless roads are blocked off, but we we could stick our bikes and our trailers in our van with all the stuff that we would need. And um, I think that's kind of what I was originally thinking. I forgot to bring that up. When I was first thinking kind of 12 days or so, that would be including the first couple hours would be driving. Oh, right, right. Uh, or the first uh, couple hundred miles would be driving, which would make a little bit of a difference. But um, yeah, either way we would try to bike, you know, we'd have to take a shelter. We'd have to take sleeping bags, especially if it's, uh, early spring or late fall or, uh, you know, depending on the time of year, it's something kind of interesting to think about. It'd be quite a, this would obviously be very difficult regardless. It's not something I think would be easy no matter what the, it is. If we're biking at all, this is going to be a, a hard, uh, hard adventure. Yeah. Oh yeah. So, um, yeah, biking, I think, I think we could do it. I think we could get it done. Um, you know, maybe hunt some animals as we go, uh, have my 22 ready, you know, see any rabbits or squirrels or something as we, as we're riding along. Yeah. At night, you, maybe you could set up some, some traps of some kind, like while you're, while you're sleeping or while you're in camp bring some like, you know, big rat traps or something to see what you can catch. Yeah. Be worth trying. Um, but yeah, as a, as a bike, as far as a bike goes, um, I think if we rationed water pretty well and rationed food pretty well, I, I think with 140 pounds of, of equipment and food and water, I think we would be able to get get there yeah I, I agree it would it'd be tough especially on on the kids but i think it's doable if you can avoid um security problems like you know someone trying to rob you and that's that's another big part of like riding at night or um you know you'd want to try and ride while everyone's sleeping just to avoid people yeah. Yeah. It would definitely be, again, this would, it'd have to be something pretty drastic for us to even leave in the first place. And, um, another thing that's, you know, we would recommend is to have a lot of options, uh, a lot of optional plans. My sister does have a brother in Minnesota that we could go to at least first, um, in order to, you know, if it's something really bad that we, didn't think we could make it all the way to Idaho or Utah. Uh, we could make it there first. We could probably drive half that way uh, or halfway to his house. And he has some land. He has some animals. Um, so that's something that we would, that would be an option depending on the situation. Um, but then we could also leave caches. If I was going to be really prepared, I could leave caches along the way. Uh, and that could make a big difference in making the trip easier. Yeah. Yeah, that's something I've I've thought about too in my in my bug out plans is having caches set up. Yeah, especially if uh you know, if I what I really need to do is plan this whole route out um and 
see where I would go if I had to take a bike and then kind of see where there's water sources that I could get water and in between some of the longer droughts, uh, potentially setting up a cache with some water and uh, supplies because the weight of that water is probably one of my biggest obstacles in getting all the way there. Right. But other things we would need to bring along, obviously shelter, um, you know, we try to bring things that we, that were important to us, but obviously we have to be extremely picky, but it's kind of an interesting thought exercise just to go through what would be worth taking and worth the weight. Yeah. You have to prioritize, you know, the most important stuff and, just kind of uh, ditch the rest, although that's yeah. hard to ditch, you know, your personal belongings. Yeah. And, you know, maybe it's something that we think we might be able to get back. Um, but uh, yeah. And that's the other thing too. If, if we took the van to start and had to ditch it, that would be kind of a hard, hard thing to do. Uh, if we couldn't find other gas alternatives. Oh Yeah or gas station alternatives. Um, so I guess to wrap up biking, it would probably be extremely difficult, but I think, uh, I think it's something that I could accomplish depending on that. You know, if it's something that we decided to do, I think it's something we could accomplish if we had, uh, the trailers and the bikes. You could start, you know, kind of practicing that with your family. If, if everyone in your family has bicycles and and trailer, you can take, you know, family trips on bicycle and kind of get everyone used to bicycling. That would, that would go a long way toward preparing you for that. Yeah, that would help. And then within a couple of years, my daughter who probably isn't uh, ready to bike this by herself, even without weight. Uh, but in a couple of years she would, and that would free up, you know, the 30, 30 to 40 pounds that she weighs uh, to make our trailers lighter. Um, but yeah, that would be a good thing for us to get our, our practice in just in case that uh, were to happen. And it's good exercise anyway. Yeah, for sure. So I I think I rode my bike in one day, about 65 miles or so out to Pyramid Lake in Nevada. Oh yeah. And, uh, man, I was sore like the entire next day. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. How long did that take you? Do you remember? I don't remember. It, it took me a long time. Hmm. Yeah. That's, and that was with no trailer probably. And just you. Yeah. 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 I, I figure a lot of times we might just be pushing our bike like a handcart almost, uh, you know, especially up certain Hills with that much weight. So you might be, you know, you're probably right when you say closer to, to 30 days, the yeah, more I yeah. actually think about it. There are unforeseen circumstances as well, like wind. I mean, there are times when the wind is so bad, you just can't ride at all. It's like riding into a brick wall. Yeah. Um, or riding through, you know, sludge or something. I mean, it's it's hard. So you'd have unforeseen circumstances that might delay you as well. Yeah, that's true too. Could have some good luck and have some wind at my back too, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Um, that would be, uh, 
Yeah, well, and from here to Idaho, the elevation climb is quite a bit too. Um, you know, we're pretty flat here in Indiana, so. Yeah, coming uh, the other way, coming the other way would be easier for sure. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, so, I th- again back to to wrapping bikes up. I guess I think I think it's something that we would get through. Obviously, it would be very difficult and you know, maybe one of the worst months of our lives, but, uh, something we could probably do if absolutely had to. Um, so let's talk if bikes were not an option for some reason, or if say we're a couple days in and get a flat tire and don't have uh, a way to fix it for some reason, you know, frame breaks, who knows, uh, walking would be the last option. And I've kind of, I've kind of thought through this a lot and I, I'm not sure I can find a real possible way to get my family to, uh, Idaho without, well, I don't think there's a, there's a possible way to do it based on kind of what I'm looking at. I agree agree with that. I know, um, if you look at the history of like the Mormons, uh, they had these handcart companies or by company, I mean just like a group of people traveling together and they would push or pull handcarts full of their belongings from like Illinois all the way to Utah. Um, but with a large group like that, you can kind of support each other. You can um, divide up responsibilities. You can have, you know, some people um, doing security. You can have some people getting water or hunting. Um, so it's a lot different than just, you know, you and your wife and, and three little kids. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure there's any situation that would uh, make us decide to walk that distance. Um, and the only way it probably could be possible is with caches and that would have to be extensively figured out beforehand that, you know, the amount of resources that, uh, and time that would take would be extremely extensive. So, um, yeah, I'm not sure that's something that, uh, is worth even necessarily talking about just the amount of, cause when you're, I mean, in a, in a nice backpack, how much, how much reasonably do you think I, I could carry, uh, as far as weight wise, you know, most of it's not like a straight hike, like going hiking, you know, a lot of it's flat. Um, I'm thinking it wouldn't be a whole lot, you know, 50, 60 pounds. And that's probably pushing it. Yeah. I mean, you could carry more than that if it was a shorter trip, like a couple of days, but you know, day after day for, you know, months on end you wouldn't be able to carry more than probably 50, 60 pounds. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, no offense to my wife, but it'd probably be half that maybe, maybe 30 pounds. Uh, and that would be pushing it for her. I'm sure. Yeah. So you, you might have like your shoes fall apart, you know, by the time yeah. you know, halfway there. Well, just yeah. And we'd be carrying kids. Yeah. So with, you know, if it was just me and say my family was in Idaho or, and, you know, I got stranded here, um, and it was just me walking. I would figure it out to get back to my family, but I would, I would have to be, I don't know, pulling a trailer. Yeah. Pulling like a 
doing something most likely for me to feel comfortable doing that or just be uh, extremely lucky, I guess. But right. yeah, it would be, it maybe it would be possible if it was just me, but yeah, with a family, it's just not, not something that's I would explore. So what's the, what's the maximum distance you think you could bug out on foot with a, a family of five like you got? Um, I think that if we had to, um, I haven't really thought specifically. I, we might be able to get to Minnesota to my brother-in-law's house. Um, how many miles is that? Let me, uh, let my producer pull that up. Let's see. Sorry for the, uh, not being quite ready here. Let's see if this is even uh, what I think. So about 580 miles. Wow, that's still... Yeah, that's a lot. Um, Yeah, that would probably take... I mean, that itself would probably take close to a month walking with kids. Um, Yeah, I'm not even sure we would embark on that journey. with the family at the moment. Yeah. At that point, you'd be better off just finding people there in Indiana to, to team up with and make your stand there. Yeah. Cause yeah, there's just no way we carry enough water and that would be the biggest. And that's my biggest fear, you know, just not having enough water to get, to get there, you know, not, not finding water, but yeah, we'd have to plan it pretty well. I think having a, a nice, physical map it would be a big part of any of this um obviously some situations you might not have power your phone might not be able to last a whole um even a whole car ride if you if it wasn't close to full at the time of um the collapse or the the disaster scenario whatever the that is so um so the last option, just kind of interesting exploring, would be uh, trading for a horse or a couple of horses somehow. Oh yeah. And I don't know if that's uh, feasible or not. I I've ridden horses before, but I'm definitely not a horse expert. Um, but if we had a horse and some kind of carriage or something, I don't know if that's a common thing at all. Maybe like several horses or mules, like. Uh, like a pack, like a yeah. mule train. Yeah, if I could, if I could figure out somebody who was had those things that I could trade for, obviously that's uh, probably something that would make it possible. But just kind of a long shot, uh, interesting idea that I had thought of. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if I would have thought of that. That's, that's a good idea. It's how people used to travel, so you know you. You never know. I don't know if there's a lot of people that make horse carriages anymore. But yeah. definitely and it would be kind of expensive to to get enough horses or mules to outfit the whole family plus you know, all the gear. Yeah. You could probably rig up like a bike trailer to a horse somehow. Oh, um yeah. 
and that would probably be close to nothing for the horse. But also feeding the horse and having uh, water have enough, or the horse to have enough water would be a challenge as well. And, and I'm not sure what they require. I don't know if if they could just graze along the way. I really don't know. Worth looking into. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that kind of wraps up what uh, my thoughts are on a cross country bug out. Um, just kind of comes back to, to trying to be ahead of the disaster before it completely everything hits the fan. Uh, if the gas stations are still up, obviously driving is uh, really the, the preferred way. Yeah, we don't we don't even realize how, sometimes how much power we get from you know oil and gas. It's like you know having a gallon or you know the amount of gas that we use on a daily basis. It's like, it's like having a bunch of slaves basically do work for us, um, or having a bunch of you know horses like horsepower. You think about yeah. it; it's, it's insane how much hours packed into just a, a gallon of gas yeah i've got my work van and if you know if without a vehicle without gas and and stuff there's no way i'd be able to you know haul all the tools that i use back and forth and yeah it would be a completely different situation but of course without cars i wouldn't have a job in the first place so right uh, but still so uh, we've got a prepper item of the week for you guys and uh, a liberty quote. But before that, uh, we want to talk to you a little bit about our Patreon that we've set up. Um, we don't have, we try not, we haven't had any ads on the podcast uh, at this point, and we would like to not have ads in the future. Um, but uh, and to do that, we would appreciate if anybody who's willing and able to uh, to donate to our Patreon. Yeah, go go check out our Patreon um, and just, just look at what we've got on there so far. I, I uploaded an article that I wrote about vehicle preparedness and I'm going to continue to upload articles, links, um, all kinds of stuff that's going to be available for the patrons, people who would donate just uh, $3 a month. Yeah. So if you can, uh, of course you don't have to, but uh, if you can, we'd appreciate it. And uh, what is our prepper product of the week today, Blair? So I recently got a slingshot. Um, it's made by a company called simple shot. It's the simple shot scout. And, uh, you might think this is kind of a, an expensive slingshot. It's uh, $35. Um, so kind of, kind of expensive. Um, but compared to like the slingshots I used as a kid, like the wrist rockets, it, it's just so much easier to use and so much more intuitive. Um, I, I just took it out a couple days ago, very first time without a lot of practice. I was hitting a can at about seven yards and the yeah. power on it is a lot, a lot more powerful than I expected. I had a kind of an old ratty blank, uh, towel, like bath towel hung up as a backstop and I was shooting three eighth inch ball bearings ball bearings were going through the towel um, and then through about four layers of cardboard. So wow. the power is a lot more than I expected. And I think 
it would be an interesting, if you could get good with it, it'd be a good, um, hunting option for a bug out. Um, especially if you're already, you know, carrying a, like an assault rifle or a, a main weapon, you don't want to waste the ammo on hunting small game. Um, you know, you could have a slingshot in your pocket, a couple, a couple of ball bearings and, um, take targets of opportunity. Yeah, that's a lot lighter weight than like an air rifle and probably similar in power. Do you think, yeah, you sent me a picture of that uh, soda can that you you hit and it's pretty mangled for just a, a slingshot. Um, do you think the power is pretty similar to an air rifle? Um, probably more powerful than an air rifle at close range. That's um, kind of what I was thinking. But not as good at longer distances and not as accurate yeah um is it uh i know i've seen some setups and stuff for like putting on a an arrow on some of those slingshots in the past do you think there's a setup you could do yeah um you could you could possibly have larger game with with an arrow setup i've seen um dave canterbury of the the pathfinder school has done that in the past I, that's, yeah, that's definitely something to look at, but I see the, I see the slingshot as more of like a, an opportunistic hunting tool. Like you you see something and you just, it's so compact, you have it in your back pocket or whatever, and you pull it out. Um, I don't know if, if I would go out specifically deer hunting or anything like that. Right. With a slingshot. Yeah. And obviously, uh, getting close to a deer or something with an arrow in a slingshot that's that takes a lot more work than it might sound uh if you're not familiar but um yeah that's kind of cool how much power you can get from a ball bearing have you tried using any like rocks or small um pebbles or anything like that no that's that's the next thing i'd like to try um just because the you know the ammunition is potentially unlimited in that case but i think even better than steel shot would be lead shot like if you can uh, get lead from lead balls from like shotgun shells or or uh, just lead lead balls somewhere, you're, they'd be heavier than steel and they're gonna have even more energy. So anyway, check out yeah. the shot if you're if you're looking for like a, a backup hunting weapon. Um, it's a really good slingshot, really easy to use. Cool. There's one last question about it. Uh, as far as defensive purposes, obviously last case scenario or worst case scenario, um, do you think it could uh, help you in that situation if there's someone close uh, that you're trying to defend yourself from? No. Um, putting the ball bearing in the little, it's got like a little pouch, you know, where the bands are connected to. It's not really fast it's not something you could do under stress you could definitely i think take someone out if you were trying to like ambush them you know they didn't expect you and you beamed them in the head i think you could probably i don't know probably knock them out but um i would not think of it as a a defensive tool okay that's kind of what i was thinking but yeah good uh kind of interesting to think about uh just yeah cheaper way to have a little hunting opportunity. Yeah. Well, um, I guess I could leave everyone with a uh, Liberty quote. 
Okay. Oh, I had it up and I lost it. I apologize. Hold on. While you're pulling it up, do you can you tell people how to find our Patreon? Yeah, it's a patreon.com forward slash survival brothers podcast. And we're also on social media at serve bros pod, S U R V B R O S P O D. Yep. We're on Instagram and on Twitter. You can find us there and you can send us a message. If you have any questions uh, about previous podcasts or about future podcast topics, uh, we would definitely love to hear from people. Yeah. So this, um, quote liberty quote for today is also from the book dune i've been reading um says my father once told me that respect for the truth comes close to being the basis for all morality something cannot emerge from nothing he said this is profound thinking if you understand how unstable the truth can be i kind of thought about that recently with how in our society we seem to kind of have our own truths you know, this is, this is my truth and I'm not willing to, to investigate, you know, and, and change my mind. So. Yeah. I think the term, my truth has always kind of bothered me a little bit for that reason. Um, it seems like truth is truth and it, you can have my, you, know, you can have your own experiences, but to have your own truth is kind of, I mean, truth is truth. And I guess that's kind of what they're saying is, you know, this is my experience, but um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure I love that uh, phrasing. Right. Yeah. And with some of the media doubt nowadays, you have to be kind of careful with how it's being portrayed. For sure. So, very applicable. Yeah. It's reading through this book, Dune. It seems to have a lot of lessons um, for, I don't know, personal, personal responsibility, politics, stuff like that. So it's a good book, although I haven't finished it yet. I've been, gotten distracted with a few other books yeah well we uh, appreciate everybody listening you have anything else Blair no uh, take nothing for granted <laughs> <laughs>